ParkPal is a companion iPhone app for trips to Disneyland Paris. ParkPal is available free from the App Store. Action! Welcome to Torn Stubbs, the Trash Movie Podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk. And Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never even heard of. And we're going to the movies. Joshua and I are massive movie nerds, but there's always something we might have missed. So for this episode, Joshua's recommended I watch something that I've not yet seen. For this episode, you decided I should watch Turbo Kid. It's a a kind of grindhouse-style B-movie science fiction film. It's set in a post-apocalyptic 1997, uh, so very John Carpenter-esque. It's about the kid, played by Monroe Chambers. That's his name. We don't, we're not given any more information. He's trying to exist in this post-apocalyptic wasteland that was ruled over by Michael Ironside. <laughs> Who else? Uh, what did you think, Rob? I genuinely loved this movie. Yay, me too. <laughs> genuinely really loved it. I found it really sweet. I found that... Had you heard of it before I told you to watch it? I'd heard of it and I'd had it on my list on Netflix for a long, long time. So when I went to watch it, it's been so long on my list, it's not there anymore. (laughs) It's come off Netflix, so I had to rent it, which I don't mind. I don't mind spending money on films like this because it took me by complete surprise. I thought maybe it was going to be like Hobo with a Shotgun. I thought it was going to be a great premise with a terrible delivery like Hobo with a Shotgun. But this has a really good premise and I was really surprised at the that the skill of filmmaking. The opening three, four minutes of titles and montage is all but dialogueless. And it says so much about who this character is and the environment that he lives in. It's all visual. We yeah. we see that, you know, he's on his own, but he seems to have um like this resilience he's always lived on his own he has a bike that is just pure 80s he lives in this little hovel thing in the ground that he's got like booby trapped or or some sort of rudimentary cctv rope and pulley system thing going on yeah it's very john hughes (laughs) yeah well yeah it's it's like you know like um, ferris bueller but also the the repurposed items are not tacky and it's really heartwarming and nostalgic because they're all things that either I grew up with or I saw around me friends had them or relatives had them when I was growing up this is really a version of Mad Max made by people who probably weren't old enough to enjoy Mad Max when it first came out but rediscovered it later on and sort of mixed it with the the first generation of game consoles so this is really like the the 8-bit or the 16-bit video game version of Mad Max. Yeah, it's, it's Mad just, Max on BMX bikes, basically. Yeah, and it's yeah. brilliant. And the, the, the bikes are just used... That's the only way they can get around. So the <laughs> yeah. car chases in this film are yeah. actually really slow. Cy- cycle chases. <laughs> cycle chases. And everyone's bike matches their personality. Yeah. The kid's kind of hip, and he's, he's the one who's meant to be really cool, so he's got a BMX. There's this... There's this cowboy who's got a chopper. <laughs> he's got a chopper. It's fucking great. And there's another guy with like a, a three-wheeled thing, so he has the cart on his on, on, on the back. 
it's phenomenal. It's, yeah. And it's done so much on the cheap, but the, because the production design is so well um, realized, that just instantly elevates it. Up. Yeah. It looks more expensive than it, it probably costs like, I don't know, 100 grand, 150 grand if to make, that. if that. Probably more because they, they needed to pay for Michael Ironside and his, <laughs> and his eye patch. But it was genu- I genuinely loved it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, it's a fully realized world. It's, it does draw on Mad Max. Um, and I was kind of, I actually saw this, I think, at Fright Fest a couple of years back. Um, and it, I was all set to kind of be really cynical and eye-rolly and like, oh God, here we go, another Mad Max post-apocalyptic you know, violent film. Oh, that's your, that's your film. default setting, cynical eye rolling. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. But this that this film completely destroyed that defense. You know, that, mm. I, that was gone. Uh, we should probably explain who Turbo Kid actually is because that's the really lovely thing about the film is that it it is kind of a wish wish fulfillment kind of thing where yeah. the kid, his his hero is this comic book character called Turbo Kid and he idolizes this guy. Um, and there's a great twist in the film where he discovers the corpse of the actual turbo kid mm-hmm. steals his suit turns into basically kind of like a bmx version of iron man with this awesome like gauntlet thing that shoots electrical currents but re- um, with a really cool like interface fat like yeah control console on like his a set player like on a, his arm with, yeah but like a like a like a d-pad from the game boy it's like that, that yeah that, it's chunky. like Penny. It's like Penny and Inspector Gadget. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. you know, more like a, you know, like a fat Game Boy kind of, nothing slick. No, no, no. slick and new. It's all old and dirty and fat and, you know. Looks... It's like the Power Rangers that had been left to rot for 20 years and then. Yeah. And they were made by, you know, Duplo. <laughs> yeah. Like fat, breakable. Yeah. Really robust toys that you always see in the corner of doctors' waiting rooms because they've been there since the 80s and they last forever. Exactly. Things are made to break now. My iPhone (laughs) broke after like a month. One aspect I really, really liked about this film was the kind of goofy makeup effects. Uh It was very much in in the style of the original Evil Dead by Sam Raimi, which I hate. I hate that film. The first one or all of them? All of them. They're boring. They're really fucking boring. And then I just don't engage with them at all. But in this film, the goofy makeup effects, like in, in the sense like someone would just get hit in the head by like a like a, a makeshift hammer and it wouldn't just splat. It would somehow sever at the neck and roll off. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like eruptive gore. Yeah, it, just... yeah that's it. It is just gore. But it's it's almost like they've gone... Well, we're going to be a cartoon, a live-action cartoon, but it doesn't undermine the performances because the performances are very, very serious. Yeah, they're very grounded. Yeah. The great thing about this film, I think, like the undiscovered gem, is uh, I don't have to say her name, but I think it's Lawrence LeBeouf who plays Apple, mm-hmm. and Apple is kind of like a friend bot, which is like the most amazingly brilliant '80s kind of idea brought to life like a teddy um, rutskin yeah yeah female form exactly and so she is discovered by the kid at one point and she just decides like a little puppy dog she just decides that he is now her friend and that's her that is her duty in life is that's to be a friend program. but we don't yeah. know that she's a robot at that point no we kind of discover that as we go along yeah we just think she's a really needy person <laughs> a really needy but kind of perky and friendly and i just loved her i thought she was great yeah her, her comedy timing that actress she I, I read an interview with Michael Ironside where he said that she is able to just sustain an uncomfortable moment until it's funny, which is exactly what she, she does. Blink. 
yeah she's so funny she's just great and and so at the end you really really care about this robot Mm. and you really want her to survive and it actually kind of made me think of that Buffy episode I was made to love you which is in season five when um one of the nerds basically makes a robot girlfriend and then when he gets tired of her and leaves she spends the, ne- the rest of her robot life searching for him and like knocking oh. on the door going hello does warren live here and it's really really I, sad i've never watched an episode i've seen like bits of a bits of buffy I've, we I've, are not I've friends never <laughs> i've never seen that one though it's great to see michael ironside enjoying himself in in such a such an important role in a movie he yeah. plays bad so well but he's also doing it in a way bad. yeah yeah he's he's doing a a parody of of all the baddies he's ever played it's kind mm. of like michael ironside cubed or squared or whichever mathematical thing you want to use um yeah he's basically just playing a completely ridiculous souped up version of a bad michael ironside character yeah and, and his it's... his plan is genius his plan is to like to juice <laughs> to juice people to make water because there's there's a water shortage in the yeah. future of 1997 and so he basically kills people pulps their bodies and extracts all the water from their bodies yeah the 80 percent yeah like humans 80 percent water there's an Which, equation he said at one point in there i'm sure scientifically this actually isn't possible no, but the, no i don't think it is possible to pulp a human <laughs> being no. i don't think we need science to tell us that i think just generally we know it's not possible i mean i kind of believed it <laughs> um for all the virtues we just spoke about i do feel that the story, the the structure, the narrative, the threads were a little bit unfocused. At one point, I thought maybe because they kept flashing back to when the kid was a kid, was a kid, mm. and we see him with his parents, and you know we learn how his parents left him. Um, at one point, I I was I was thinking maybe he was related to the guy with the eye patch, yeah, or, th- I, or there was a stronger connection somehow. Um, maybe he was. I am your father. Yeah, maybe he was a tutor of him or, or a student or whatever. But I just felt that the, the that might backstory, have been a bit too neat. But I felt that the backstory and how it tied into the actual film was just a bit too, maybe too obvious once you know it. Yeah, I didn't really care for the backstory stuff. That's the only bit of the film that kind of I glossed over a little bit. Um, and I didn't really need there to be a kind of a vendetta between the kid and Zeus. So I didn't feel like the film really needed it. But they never followed, really followed no. through with it. It's not like he said, I need to get the guy that killed my parents. No, exactly. It was just kind of, it was almost like he was accidentally involved in this thing that was happening. Mm. And he didn't really seem to care. He didn't really seem to have that much motivation. He was more cared about that Apple. Apple had been, you know, deprogrammed deprogrammed or shot or dismantled or whatever yeah he didn't seem to give a shit that his parents were murdered by mr Mm. eyepatch yeah you know mr eyepatch deceived them and and murdered them i do wonder if because this was originally a a short film like it's based on a short film made by these three filmmakers um and i wonder if the the flashbacks are what they had in the in the short and they kept and they retained that for well they remade it yeah maybe yeah, because did they have the did they have Michael Ironside for the short? No, no. no they, so they would have had to remake the. Yeah, but they would have retained that story thread maybe yeah. just out of nostalgia or I don't know. I think when you have those kind of flashbacks, either you have them and it supports what's happening in the present, or 
you have them because it's from a previous film and you're reminding the audience the, the you know the, the how the dots are connected so maybe if they had decided to do it as two films you could have had the first part where you see the deception and how the kid becomes the kid and then his life afterwards and then the second film which is the story that we saw mm. yeah no i agree i i guess they realized that that wasn't a particularly interesting <laughs> part of the story mm. so they are actually i think they've they announced a sequel last year oh really so i don't know if they will do it or how long it will take to do it or what but they they did a um a, a short prequel thing that's out i think on youtube called no tomorrow um which has all of the characters i think apart from zeus obviously yeah um but it has the kid and it has um apple and, and everyone in there and then the cowboy um, guy I don't know if the cowboy guy's in it, but Apple has a friend in it, apparently. So oh. that, the friend bot has a friend. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love to see a sequel to this. I'd love to see this world develop. Yeah, more. I'd like to see this. It's very it's very much in line, I felt, with um, The Life and Death of the Fabulous Killjoys, which is the, the My, My Chemical Romance final album, and then the comic series. Kind of set in this, you know, video game, post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like I like that they did nostalgia without being cynical and kind of knowing about it they yeah. they genuinely you can tell that these directors genuinely love the 80s and all the paraphernalia and all the relics from that age and they just love it and they wanted to do a film about that yeah. it wasn't parody it was homage it wasn't wink wink to no the, to no the camera it was it was just genuinely like this is the world this is what's happening this is how these items are utilized this is how this world is yeah the junk from the 80s has become the the jewels of the 1997 <laughs> So that was Turbo Kid, seemingly directed by everyone. There's three directors here. Francois Simard, Anouk Whistle, and Johan Carl Whistle. So many names. So many names. Join the conversation. Tweet us your reviews and your thoughts about Turbo Kid at Pod. even if you're listening to this episode way in the post-apocalyptic future. Share this podcast as far as you can and please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. We love it when we get five-star ratings. We're off on our BMXs. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm also Joshua Winning. Cut!